Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. You know, we love doing this show for you every single week, but doing the show is not free. So if you enjoy the show, we ask maybe uh, consider helping us out a bit and supporting it. You can do that by becoming an EPP at realghoststoriesonline.com. EPP means extra podcast person. You get an extra podcast for your support of the show. Every single week, we send you a brand new one. And you get access to our past archive of EPP episodes as well. Right now, that's more than 15 bonus episodes along with the weekly episode that you'll be getting every single week for only five bucks a month. If you like the show, help keep us on the air. And become an EPP at realghoststoriesonline.com today. And thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Today, a terrifying reunion trip with college buddies is memorable to say the least, especially when an unknown stranger makes an appearance. A recently passed grandfather makes several unconventional attempts to let his granddaughter know he is okay. When two teens decide to run away, they experience a sight so terrifying that they return home and sell their vehicle out of fear. And two listeners write in their stories of strange things their toddlers see. Those stories, your calls, and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hello. Hello, and uh, welcome back to Normalcy. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> I hope everyone enjoyed our uh, our best of week last week. And there were some little new tidbits in there as well. Yeah. For a lot of folks, we had uh, the uh, the audio portion of uh, our, our documentary that we did, uh, the short film. Of Spirits in the Air. Of course, the full version where you can see the visuals, which is really a key part of that whole thing. Um, you need to be an EPP at Real Ghost Stories Online to, to see all that. But um, they were able to, to really get a feel, I think, for some of the stories um, and the bizarre things that happen in that airport. Yeah. By by hearing that story. We released that last Friday. Um, but uh, we're back. We're ready to, uh, to roll for 2015 and uh, get back in the normal swing of uh, doing the five regular free shows a week. And, of course, uh, the EPP bonus episodes every week. Those have never stopped. We always do the EPPs no matter what. But... Um, here we go. Here we go. 2015. Yep. Ready to knock out. How many episodes is this that we do in a year now? If you do five a week, 52 weeks in a year, what does that equal? I don't have my calculator. Oh, come on. You, were, you were good at math. <sighs> well, five episodes a week at 50 weeks this is would where... be 250 episodes. So add another 10 oh. to that. So 260 episodes. Is you that it? figured it out. Did you just 260. figure it did you calculate it? Of course I did. I can't use anything without a All calculator. Right. See, but you used the, the skill where they said, what happens at, with that one time you don't have a calculator? That was it. That was a one time. Now it's done. So all those years of math and all that, it was all for that one second there, just to answer that one <laughs> question on the spot on the show. Have a calculator for the rest of your life. You're all good. There we go. <laughs> I always hated that part of school. Anyhow, uh, 855-853-4802. 
is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us. Of course, uh, you can always write in on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. So many ways for you to share your real ghost stories with us and uh, and get them on the air. We're going to kick off the show today with a letter. This one was submitted to us by Matt. Uh, Matt says, hey, Jen and Tony, Matt here. I'm a first time and uh, only started with your show a couple months ago. One of the neighbors of ghost child sarah oh yes okay we were wanting to hear from some of the other people that have seen her okay and we get together every week or so to catch up on the better stories and to share our own we have arguments on who should be sarah's godparents well that's interesting isn't that this whole neighborhood is like into sarah right from the stories that we've we've heard the people on the street they've come to realize not only does she exist Mm -hmm. but they have gotten to where they kind of have a small role in her quote-unquote life. So, do they, do they need a babysitter for Sarah? Does that ever happen? I think Sarah probably does quite a bit of babysitting. <laughs> On her own? Well, Who's the sitter? Sarah. I remember in one of uh, Dave's stories, he said that she would be in the nursery singing to... Oh, their, kids. their baby. Yeah. 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 So I think that's cool. That is cool. Continuing on, Sarah will be the ultimate judge, I guess. I've seen her a couple of times, but she has not spoken to me yet. I've had a few run-ins with other ghosts, and this is one of them. I was told to send this uh, one in by the others in the group. It happened about five years ago. My college friends and I decided to reconnect with a bike trip. Back in college, we rode bikes everywhere. We decided on uh, Natchez Trace Parkway. It's an active road cars can drive on, but the cars share the road with bikers, and the scenery is awesome. We are not as young as we used to be, so we're limiting the trip to a 40-mile a day. See, we're still young, and I can't do 40 miles a day. No, but we're not exactly in biker <laughs> no, shape no, no. either. We're uh, planning to be biking only in the daylight. First day went well and uh, got to the bed and breakfast in time for dinner. Second day started well, but after an hour, we had a downpour of rain. The biking had to come to an end, so we got off the bike, put on our rain gear, put up a temporary shelter, and hoped the rain would blow over. It was six hours of heavy rain. Well, we got our stuff back together, and back on our bikes, it was already dusk, and the road was getting dark fast. We wound up riding in the dark. We did have lights on the bike, so we didn't get too worried. Got about 10 miles to the bed and breakfast where we were staying when things got weird. In front of us stood a dark mass. It was in the shape of a man, and I first thought it was a man. We got the flashlight out of our pack, but the light could light uh, up the could light up to the right and left of the mass, but it seemed to be disappearing when on the mass. That's interesting. So it's like it's absorbing mm-hmm. the energy from the light. Exactly. And that's kind of where, you know, they, they talk about it being such a dark thing that it actually sucks the light, you know, and all the energy around it. Yes. To make that blacker than blackness. I think that's part of what it's doing. And by the way, it's not an EVP in the background. That's the dog attempting to eat candy canes. It is. Should, should we pick those up there? Yes. Okay. And hot sauce. There's hot sauce there, too. Wouldn't that be fun to catch up on later? What is that? Is that what is that? that pot? Is that hot sauce and candy? Yes, it is. <laughs> Continuing on now, we're not normally scared of strange sights, but the air around us made us fear for our souls. The mass left the road to the woods on to the right. And after 15 minutes, we decided to ride our bike as fast as we could on the far left of the road. We didn't look back and made it to the B&B in record time. 
We talked to the owners when we got there, and they said it was the ghost of a highwayman that would hold people up 150 years ago. We called my wife, and she would drive down to pick us up. We had enough of Natchez Trace and just stayed at the B&B until my wife got there two days later. We bonded at the nearby tavern and decided we would do something like a cruise for the next reunion. Well, that was my ghost adventure. Some think it was our imagination, and maybe it was. We're not going back to find out. Thanks for listening. You might get more stories from our group, though most members are paranormally challenged. Matt. Okay, Matt, that was not your imagination, because most people don't know about shadow people absorbing energy to manifest, so... Mm That description is not something you would have dreamt up. No, it's very much in line with what we've heard many times over about shadow people. Yes. So it makes total sense. Thank you for uh, for writing in and sharing your story with us um, and for, uh, for for being part of the Sarah Club. <laughs> that's, that's that's really cool. cool. That's a really we always love getting those stories um, from Sarah. So when you th- love to trick or treat on their street and go to her house, <laughs> yeah, I would and her be there to hand out candy. Also, like the bowl of candy just lifts up. That would be amazing. <laughs> Morgan writes in. Hello, Tony and Jenny. It's Morgan from Grand Haven, Michigan again. This isn't actually my story, but my boyfriend's. But I can account for quite a few questionable mishaps happening in this house. First. A little information about the house. Chris and his family live in a pretty large three-story house. When you enter from the front, there's a mudroom, then dining room to the left, and living room to the right. Beyond the living room is the kitchen, which wraps around to the dining room. I was sitting in the kitchen one day, and out of the corner of my eye, I saw Allie, Chris's little sister, walking out of the living room into the dining room. Fully expecting to see her emerge from the dining room, I said, Hey, y'all, did you have a good day? Was that a good y'all? It's supposed to be, hey, Al. Oh, Al? Like short for Allie. Oh, I'm sorry. I just thought I was missing the Y. No. Hey, Al. Okay. Well, the A wasn't capitalized. That's why I was confused. So, hey, Al. Did you have a good day? Better? Better. Okay. No response. I figured she must have just walked up the stairs and went to the basement. But alas, moments later, she comes in through the garage on the other side of the kitchen, just returning home from work. There have been multiple instances my boyfriend and I have been sitting downstairs in the living room and heard footsteps, and the TV turning on upstairs. Or we'll hear people in the laundry room hanging clothes when no one is home. But the weirdest thing that I've ever heard from the house is this. One early morning, my boyfriend awoke out of a dead sleep to his bed violently shaking. He said it felt like an earthquake, but when he looked around, his whole room was still except for his bed. The weird thing about this is that the next day, his best friend called him and told him he had a nightmare, that there was a dark, demonic-like creature standing over his bed. Coincidence? I think not. There have been multiple occasions where I've woken there in the middle of the night, and I swore I saw a darker-than-dark figure standing in the bottom doorway. Chris has also told me he's felt people sitting on his bed when he was alone downstairs. I always get a very bad feeling in that basement, and sometimes it even makes the hair on my neck stand on edge. Last week we came home, and Chris told me he felt something watching him in the garage. I told him it was probably just his imagination, and we shut the garage door and left, but lo and behold, we get a call later that night asking if we had been home and if we had left the garage door open and the lights in the house on, which we did not. We came home there last week, and there was a glass shattered all over the ground by the back door. 
I don't know what's going on in this house, but it's definitely scary. I surely don't want to what it is either. Thanks for all the great stories and all the time you put into your show. I'm an EPP and could not be happier with the service. God bless Morgan. P.S. I understand why he would never want to come back in winter. Brutally unbearable here sometimes in Michigan. Okay, so I have a question. Mm-hmm. And this may be something we've already answered, but I can't remember. Um, with seeing... Allie and then Allie coming in that's a doppelganger type effect and then seeing a shadow person could this all be one energy that just decides to manifest in different ways sure or it could be someone misconstruing what they're seeing because remember at the beginning they said they thought they kind of saw in the corner of their eye the child running to the other room or the person running to the other room Uh uh-huh so in your mind if if you think you see someone running to the other room you're going to logically think of well who's over there who would be running so that's what you're going to assume unless they really had a clear shot of who it was in view mm-hmm. i don't know if it'd be a doppelganger until it's confirmed that oh this is actually that person's form okay see i'm just wondering if it's if they just misconstrued who they thought it was initially and it really was this other entity the entire time okay thought you know what do you think yeah no that makes sense because uh, you know it's not <clears throat> Real clear from the story if yeah. she was for sure that yeah. that's who it was or if that's who she assumed it was. I just kind of got the inkling that it was like, well, I saw out of the corner of my eye there was this movement. Mm-hmm. You know, So, you know, if Livy was in one room, one room and Harper was in the other and we saw movement come from the way Livy was, we would think it was Livy. Right. You know, without actually seeing it. So, okay. Just my thoughts. That makes sense. So. 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. If you want more Real Ghost Stories, we got them for you. A total of 19 episodes out there now when you become an EPP. So you sign up today at realghoststoriesonline.com. You get that email sent to you instantly with all 19 bonus episodes on it. And this coming weekend, 20 bonus episodes going to be on there we send out the brand new ones every single saturday but the moment you sign up you get the new or the the most recent uh email with all the epp episodes on there and some really good creepy ones so definitely worth checking out anonymous writes in hi tony and jenny thank you so much for doing the show i'm an artist and i love to binge listen while i'm painting you two are absolutely delightful I'm writing uh, the following because I cannot tell the story without getting choked up. This is about a series of events that happened before and right after my grandfather passed away 12 years ago. To preface the story, I need to say that we were extremely close. We were together nearly every day through my childhood. He took care of me while my parents were working and he was a second father to me. The first event happened about a month before he passed. I was in college, away at college. His health had been slowly declining for a long time, but the changes were very slow and gradual. One night, I had a dream that I was shopping with my mother at a department store. The telephone at the register rang, and the cashier answered it. She turned and handed the phone to me, saying, It's for you. I took the phone and said hello. There was no answer, but I could hear breathing on the other end. Not creepy breathing, but irregular breathing, like someone trying to keep themselves from crying. The person on the other end began to sob and then cry, and I realized from his voice that it was my grandpa. I began to cry and say, Grandpa, what's wrong? But he couldn't answer me. He was crying too hard. I woke up and my pillow was soaked with tears. That day, my father called me and said, You need to come home right now. 
My grandpa had been admitted to the hospital that night, the night of my dream. He would still live for another month, but his health declined quickly. His passing was truly the best-case scenario. The whole family was present for a couple of days. We talked, laughed, cried, and were able to say goodbye. As devastating as it was, I can't imagine a better way to go. The second event happened the morning after he passed. It was maybe eight hours later. I was at home because my spring break had started and my mom was home too. She'd been able to take the day off. She was cleaning, which is what she does when she's stressed. She was scrubbing the bathroom and I was staring out the window, amazed that the world went on without my grandpa. All of a sudden, my mom yelled, what? So I went upstairs and I told her that I didn't say anything. She stopped scrubbing and looked at me. You didn't come upstairs and say hi? I said, no, I was just sitting on the couch. We talked a little, and then I turned to go back downstairs. When I turned, the family dog was at the bottom of the stairs, staring at the space of air right next to me. She was cowering and shaking. She was completely fixated on that space, and I could not distract her. After I walked down to her, she snapped out of it and went back to normal, as though nothing had happened. The third event was a series of voicemail messages I had on my phone starting immediately after my grandpa passed. For about a week, I was getting upwards of five messages a day, all static with what sounded like very faint whispering. It was so faint I couldn't make out any of what was said. Now here's a weird part. My phone never rang. I didn't miss any calls. The voicemail stopped abruptly after about a week. The fourth and final thing was the feeling of someone sitting on my bed next to my feet. The first time I thought it was crazy. The second time I cried and cried and cried. The third time I said out loud, I miss you so much. I wish you were here with me. But this is too much. This is too sad for me. I can't handle this. And it never happened again. I have no explanation for these things, although I'm sure there could be explanations for each event. I like to think, though, that my grandpa was reaching out to me and my mom and that maybe our bond and our love might last, even through death. I'm really glad that when she just came out and said that it was too much, that it was Mm -hmm. making her too sad, that it ceased, you know? And that seems to be the easiest way to make paranormal events go away, when it's a human, or former human, if you will, that you're interacting with. Well, and it it confirms to me it probably was her grandfather, because it cared enough to stop. Yeah, it wasn't something malevolent that was going to be like, "Uh you recognize me, now I'm here. And now I know what buttons to push. Exactly. So, probably was your grandpa. And I think you're right. I think that that love did last even through death. And I think he was trying to to say, hey, I'm okay over here Mm -hmm. in whatever way he could. So, very good story. Thank you for writing that. And I understand why you wrote it rather than tried to call it. Yes. (laughs) Because I don't think I could have called a story like that either. No. So, 855-853-4802 is our phone number. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to our show. Whatever platform it is you'd like to listen to us on, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, all of those subscriptions, that helps us grow the show. It tells those engines that you're listening to us through that, hey, people like this show. It ends up suggesting the show to other folks. So, that does a great deal to help us, and it does a great deal to help you, too, because you don't have to search for our show, then it just pops up right there in your feed. So, please do press the subscribe button. Tony from Savannah writes in, is going to tell you uh, of two more accounts of occurrences that happened to my father, but in light of recent events, I'm going to tell those now as they are occurring now. My wife, children, and I have been awakened to loud, violent banging noises. 
The last three nights, my wife has been awakened to loud banging in the kitchen. My two oldest daughters have a room downstairs off of the kitchen, and while my daughter was at the bottom, she said she heard what sounded like someone opening and slamming the cabinet doors. I was getting dressed this morning for work around 4.30 a.m. and heard a loud BAM. I ran down the stairs and found every light on. Ceiling fans going. Every electronic device was on and every cabinet door was open. I went directly to my daughter's room. They were just awakening from sleep. My wife followed behind me. I don't know what has changed that could make these things happen. I've never had an occurrence in my home. It's a different experience when you see something outside or in some random building or place. Although I haven't technically seen anything. And I've seen enough of this stuff to know what's going on. I can only think of a few things that might be causing this to happen. I have some mirrors from my grandparents' thrift shop that they ran while alive, but those are stored outside in a shed away from the house. I have my mother-in-law tell of a strange event that happened to my brother-in-law when he was a baby. They tried to get rid of his blanket and it keeps reappearing in the home. They tried to burn it and it would not burn. I don't know how they got rid of the blanket, but it all occurred in the land where I built my home. I have a very diverse family, including Greek, Native American, Caribbean Islanders, etc. Why do I include that, you ask? I had one of my aunts on my mom's side of the family speak about a curse put on the family. Anyway, I'll write back with updates. I love the show. For... Uh, those listeners who aren't real familiar, Tony's the one who wrote in about his experience at the pirate house mm-hmm. and also about seeing a Native American girl in his backyard and now nothing grows in that spot yeah. where he saw her. So he's got a very active property there. And I'm just curious as to what has changed suddenly to stir things up because we know things have happened in the past, but it sounds like this is just a relatively new episode of it i guess yeah there's something specific with that property yeah you know that that is going on there and i would love to know more about that curse if he knows any more about that curse but it sounds like it's kind of vague and i wonder if the family is still around that that knows more about it to share more about it right you know very interesting that that would almost be interesting to get like a a sensitive or something on the property Without saying anything about it. Mm-hmm, just to see. Just to see what they say. Or a couple, maybe two or three different time periods. Don't tell the other ones that other ones are there. And see what parts of those stories match up. Mm-hmm. And that maybe will help narrow things down a little bit. Yeah. And I'd be really, if we were, that might be the route I'd go. Just because I'd be very, very curious. Not trying to conjure things up or anything like that. Or try and, you know, stir the pot. But just get their take on the energy. And, and what has transpired mm-hmm. to make this suddenly surge again. Exactly. I don't want, don't want them coming on, trying to communicate or help anyone cross over or this or that. Just tell me what you're feeling and saying. Yeah. You know, be interesting. 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Hi. Hi, Tony and Jenny. I'm just calling again, um, and I'm calling also to say thanks for your efforts for keeping the show going over Christmas. Um, it's really nice to be able to relax and listen. Um, just in the spirit of uh, Tony's uh, good sense of humor, we had a strange doppelganger experience the other day. Um, 
I have five dogs. I live out outside the city um, in Ontario. Um, I'm not going to say exactly where, but Ontario, Canada. Anyway, I have, um, as I said, I have five dogs, and we were, my daughter and I were wrapping presents on Christmas Eve, and everything was quiet, and we heard uh, a little bark outside one of the doors, and we thought, oh, it must be one of the dogs wanting in the house. And then we looked around and counted and all five dogs were in the house. So it was kind of a strange occurrence. We both got goosebumps and we were laughing with each other trying to figure out what would you call that, a doggo-ganger <laughs> or a doppeldogger? I don't know. But uh, the other night I also had an experience where... Um, I have these dog stairs at the side of my bed to let the little dogs jump up on my bed. And I was laying in bed and all the dogs were laying, you know, in their usual beds or asleep. And I heard a pitter-patter and then little feet going up uh, the dog stairs. And I thought it was one of my dogs, but looking around, they were all sleeping. So I think I have a ghost dog at my house, a, a doggo-ganger. <laughs> Thanks very much for everything. Bye-bye. It almost sounds dirty. <laughs> a doggleganger. I like it. I like think it's cute. Some dog being involved in a gangbang. <laughs> oh, my God. That's the horrible... I think we're playing too much Cards Against Humanity earlier in the week. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a wonderful game, by the way. That's hilarious. I love that game. Uh, if, if you've not... Uh, and this is not a, a sponsorship plug or anything like that. It's just we've been playing it with some, some friends and family and... Yeah, it's uh, it's hilarious, and it uh, lets you see a whole other side of your family. Yeah, you learn things about your relatives you probably didn't want to know. Did you ever imagine be pe- you'd be playing that game with your in-laws? No, but you know what? <laughs> it was one hell of a fun time. It was. It was a great time. If you can, if you can stomach a lot of bizarre obscenity, it's a great game for you. And it's just, it's all in good fun. It's nothing serious. It's just crazy matching. It's like Mad Libs on crack. Really. It is. It's, it's anyhow. Uh, 855-853-4802 is the uh, phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories Online. Savannah writes in, when I was a child from ages zero to about five, we lived in these very strange apartments. I always felt uneasy there, even when I was little. I remember playing a game at night that involved a blanket my great-grandmother made me. I had to be completely covered with no skin or hair showing from outside of the blanket. I also had to be touching an adult. I slept with my mom the whole time we lived there and would usually put my pointer finger on her elbow. The last rule of the game was when they were looking, I had to keep completely still and act like I was asleep or they would take me. Although I had no memory of it, my mother told me that I always used to have two imaginary friends. I said they were Indians and they were dead. My grandmother also lived in the same apartment complex long before we did. She had a two-bedroom apartment in the larger room. Whoever slept in it would feel an intense pressure on their chest. My mother and my aunt are twins, and originally this room belonged to them. They'd wake up and cry every night. Somehow my grandma figured out it was the room and not normal baby stuff, so she switched rooms with them. She started feeling the pressure. My mom moved her bed into the same room as my mom and my aunt. My great-aunt came over and asked why they had a vacant room. My grandma explained the strange pressure to her. My great-aunt asked if she could spend a couple of weeks there since it was empty and she didn't believe in ghosts. After one night, she ended up spending the rest of her time on the couch. 
I speculated with my mom and grandma as to what could be up with the apartment complex. One theory is that my grandma, or that my grandma has, is that it is an Indian burial ground. Fitting, since we live close to a reservation. Very logical. I think so. It's one of those things I wonder, since they do live close to a reservation, if they could go and ask to see if anybody sure. knows. What always perplexes me about stories like that, where it's like one specific room in a specific house, is why that room? Especially if, if it is like on the grounds of something. I get it if it was like a tragedy occurred within that room, mm-hmm. like a murder or something very emotional. But if it's just on ground, why a specific room? Wouldn't the whole place be haunted? Why are they picking that one room? That's, I don't know. I, I, Maybe there's one grave under that room. Just, then I'm wondering if it's an apartment. I'm, I'm In my mind, I'm picturing like a two-story apartment. Sure. So then would also the room above that be haunted or just the one that's touching the ground? <laughs> I don't know. You know, know. it's like literally like a portal straight up, you know, like a, <laughs> a beam of light. Then anything literally above and below that is, you know, I, I don't know. It just seems weird to me. Yeah, I don't know on that one. No, just a thought. <laughs> 855-853-4802. I want to find like every single time I go, oh, and just make a large compilation of it. I think we could probably fill a whole 60 minutes with just every variation of that. We probably could. <laughs> Jesse writes in, hello, you guys. Thanks for sharing my story, but my girlfriend, twin sister... I have another doppelganger story that happened with my cousin, but I'll share that story another time if you guys would like to hear it. Yes, we would. Please write in. That story, uh, the story that I'm about to tell you, uh, it happened uh, to my mom with my grandmother from my dad's side. Unfortunately, I never met my grandma because she passed away before I was born. My mom told us after her passing what she experienced after my older sister was born. Before my grandma passed away, my mom was pregnant with my sister. And around that time, my grandma was sick, and she often told my mom that she wanted to see her granddaughter before she died. Sadly, that did not happen, and she died of her sickness. A few months later, my mom gave birth to my sister. Santa? That's what I saw. I don't know if that was an autocorrect, but that's the way it came in. S-A-N-T-A. But it's in quotes. I don't know if that's what they called her or what. Maybe it's like a nickname or something. Could I be. I don't know. Maybe they really like Santa. And my uh, little brother, Rudolph. No, no it doesn't <laughs> just, say just that. Santa. And two days after she was released from the hospital, my dad had already set up her baby crib in their bedroom. My mom was at the kitchen and my dad was away working and she heard my sister crying. She went to her and before she was... Near her room, my sister stopped crying. When she finally made her way to the room, she saw my grandmother next to her, and my sister was looking at her. And my grandma turned around and told my mom, I'm just here visiting my granddaughter. And then she was gone. I got cold chills all the time. I share this to my buddies or when my mom reminds us about her. My mom has more stories, she told us, but this was more interesting because it was a family member and not just a ghost that she doesn't know. Thank you for sharing ghost stories and everybody who writes into you guys. I love your show and I already told some of my friends and family about it. Happy New Year. It would scare me, but I'd be okay with it. Yeah. If a grandmother ghost came back and said, I just want to see my grandchild. As long as it's a nice, kindly grandmother. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'd probably want to do that too. 
Yeah, and then haunt them for the next, you know, 18, 20 years. <laughs> and make sure they stay in line growing up. I feel like the grandma ghost on Paranorman. Yes, exactly. That was a good grandma. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 855-853-4802 is our phone number. And just like the writer of that story, if you like the show, tell your friends about it. Maybe share a link on Facebook or Twitter supporting the show. Letting people know about it is what allows us to grow. So please uh, help us out in doing that here in 2015. And let's make the show bigger and better than ever. The more people who listen, the more stories we get, the better the show we can make for you guys. Ryan writes in, so this is my first time writing in. I've been listening to your podcast for a while now. Okay, so this happened to me a year ago in my current two-story condo. I live with my big family in a small home, and it's usually full of noise and life. But in the fall of last year, I spent a weekend alone at home with my one little sister while the others were out camping near Alberta Beach. So it was a Saturday evening in October, and since it was just me and my 12-year-old sister in the house, we were both in the living room watching a movie when the TV turned off. Our TV at the time was pretty old, and it always turned off randomly, so it wasn't much of a big deal. When I went to go turn the TV back on, I stopped, and we had heard loud footsteps running, running across our upstairs hallway, which is right above the living room. So we stopped and looked at each other, speechless and scared. After a while of standing there, noiseless and motionless, We both grabbed some heavy, blunt objects and headed upstairs. We got upstairs, nothing was there, and we were much shaken. Later that night, we decided to sleep together on the living room floor. Since it was just us at home, we rented the cat and the hat on the DVR and tried to go to bed to the movie. Halfway through the movie, I was holstered while she slept, and I was slowly falling asleep. I heard the same footsteps coming from upstairs, and it made my heart race. I remember squeezing my sister and crying while I stared at the dark staircase. The footsteps were loud and slowly paced. I tried to wake up my sister, but she was extremely uh, an extremely heavy sleeper and would not get up to my cries for help. I stared at the stairs until the footsteps stopped. And as I stared into the darkness, this large black mist in the shape of a hand and large shoulders had popped itself around the corner of the staircase. I felt my heart beat through my entire body, and I couldn't move or make a single noise. I was so immensely terrified. The black thing wouldn't go away. And as I stared at it, it's like I'd forgotten how to breathe, and I remember seeing the black figure step out from behind the staircase wall. It was tall, dark, and hunched. I cried so hard in that instant it was like I had no air to breathe and I passed out. I woke up late the next morning on Sunday when my entire family was already home. I awoke to my loud, annoying family and I was so happy to know they were back. After that incident, I've only told my little sister and my mom, Thanks, you guys, for keeping up these awesome podcasts. I hope to become an EPP soon. I have a lot more stories that I... Hope to share with you all in the near future. Okay, her story makes me wonder, since she has a loud and, as she put, kind of obnoxious family, mm-hmm. how often is there a haunting that goes unnoticed because of that? Because of all the footsteps that were mm-hmm. going on, she may have never noticed that had there, they not all been gone. Oh, I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Because, it's, well, it's, it's like being in a crowded store or you know i think we see ghosts more often than we think 
probably do in in public places i think you know you may see them going to the mall you may see them wandering through sam's club or whatever uh, on a busy day but you never know it because there's so much there and i would also think that places like that would be great places to manifest yourself as a ghost because there's so much energy mm-hmm. so it probably makes it easier to manifest yourself uh less easy to be noticed if that's your goal yeah because you're fitting right in but i think it happens frequently and the same with a house i think it's the exact same principle with a, a very packed full house yeah you know just like you know one of the dads in full house was a ghost the whole time and that it was not <laughs> good grief jesse was actually from a different time and he was a ghost he was it was not. revealed in the last did you ever see the last episode it was not <laughs> You've got 20-somethings listening that have no clue how Full House really went. You're like, shit, I'm going to get that DVD. No, that's not how that went. I never saw the last episode of Full House. I didn't either, but nobody was a ghost. (laughs) Wouldn't you just freak out if we watched it? Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Uncle Jesse really was a ghost. Uh, Rob writes in, glad the holidays have been going well, guys. My story was with my buddy, Mike. We drove away from home back when we were stupid teenagers. He had a dispute with his parents and wanted to run away. Right around the time he bought his first vehicle. That was a truck with a shell on the back bed. Remember those? Oh, yeah. My dad always had a topper on the back bed of the truck. I'd rather remember if my dad ever had one or if he's always talked about getting one. It was like the thing to get. Mm-hmm. Do, do they even do those anymore? I know they do like, you know cases you know or or yeah like the covers the covers and stuff yeah i think they do i think you can still get them but like the toppers with the windows you just don't see them as often they were like everyone had them back then i i remember riding in trucks in the back yeah it was like such a cool thing to do um totally it's probably it's illegal now i don't think at the time it was i think it was like just on the verge of becoming illegal but i remember like birthday parties mm-hmm. and everybody's in the you know at the birthday party and hey let's go get ice cream or let's go to the video store and then everybody gets in you know so-and-so's dad's back of the truck and you were lucky if you got to sit on the wheel well oh yeah you know where it kind of was a bit of a seat and then everybody else kind of just kind of tend to pack in there and try not kill each other okay see we had my dad's truck with the topper Mm -hmm. and we also had our family car which was a suburban yeah i did not understand the point of the topper on the truck because that essentially made it like a suburban that was divided because if you put the seats down in the suburban you had the full length of like a truck bed sure so what was the point well you couldn't put seats up in the back of a truck it was just permanently a truck yeah, but the thing is, if you needed to ca- uh-huh. to haul something, you just put the seats down. So why didn't everybody just have a Suburban, is what you're saying? Instead of a topper on a truck. Because people wanted a truck. But it was the same thing. Kind of. It was essentially, to me, the same thing. It's kind of <laughs> like, I will never understand why hunters wear all this camo and then throw an orange vest on top. I know it's to not get shot, but... Sure. But I don't, I yeah, don't I understand mean, that I'm does, not a hunter. It does, the, the orange vest, you're right, that does defeat the point, but of, of blending in. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't understand that part. Maybe someone can fill us in. I'm not again, and neither of us are anti-hunting by any means. No, I would I, like to understand that. Yeah. I, don't, I don't get that at all. And that's just me being ignorant on the topic. I don't know. Like my whole, I have a lot of hunters in my family and I've never, I've never asked that question. 
I mean, I I would be decked out in orange if I was going to, because I'd be way too afraid of getting shot. That's just me. See, I but know. of course, the camel lets you hide. I, I don't know. Yeah. I I don't know if it's and this could be. This is just me being ignorant and me guessing at this. Uh, going out on your own private plot of land that's fenced in, no trespassing. Other hunters can't be out there. You're probably more apt to go in full camo. Uh, but there's a lot of plots of land that are shared uh, with hunting, uh-huh. and it's so and so gives many people permission to go out there whenever they feel at different points in the season. And then that would probably be the point to wear the orange Mm -hmm. because you're more likely to have other interactions there. So it may just be situational. Okay. Listen to us as we try and decipher (laughs) how the hunting system works. I I don't know. I'm sorry for all our hunters that are listeners. I want to go hunting sometime. We just don't. I, we just don't understand, yeah. so please clue us in. We're not trying to be no. disrespectful no, or I, I'd anything. love to go try it sometime, but yeah. no, I just don't know how it uh, works. Anyhow. <laughs> anyway, back to the Can story. Can you get pizza order? I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> he called my house at normal hours. The sun was still up, and he told me that he ran away from the home and wanted to know if I wanted to hang out with him. I sort of cheated, and I told my parents I was going camping with friends for the weekend and we'll be back in time for school. I have to tell a story about that after the story, about telling my parents we were going camping. So they gave me some cash in case I needed to uh, pitch in for food and gas. I only took my backpack full of warm clothes and a sleeping bag with me because I thought my friend would eventually change his mind and go back home. Mike didn't ask me too many questions, but I had to tell him the truth after he asked what I told my parents. Then shortly apologized and thanked me for keeping him company when we needed a friend around. We ended up in Minnesota. That was during fall. <laughs> like that? I just wanted to throw it in there. Okay. Uh, that was during fall, and we were uh, there was no snow, and it wasn't too bad. We ended up in the parking lot of a Taco John's. This was around the time we decided it would be best not to travel further away from home. It was also the time fatigue set in, and it was time to get some rest. It was an awkward moment where we refused to both sleep in the bed of the truck, so I decided to stay awake in the front seat. Mike let me use his Walkman to pass the time, and batteries died by the time the screeching weasel cassette finished, but I uh, stuck it out until he had at least a good six hours of shut-eye. He was out like a rock, so I ended up passing out in the passenger seat instead of trying to wake him up. I remember waking up to the tap of a police officer on the window, but we were on the side of the highway, and I was completely confused. The officer asked me all sorts of strange questions, but after I rolled down the window and told him I had just woken up, he realized I wasn't drunk and left me alone. I noticed we were stopped in Toma, Wisconsin, by the time they gave Mike a ticket and told us to go on our way. I had a cousin who lived there for a while. I was asking Mike what the hell happened and how long... I was asleep, but he was focused on the road. I asked him a few times more, but I felt bad. I thought he was just upset after getting a ticket. I didn't like the silence, so I turned on the radio, and it was when Mike twitched and snapped out of his trance. He shouted, Oh my God, can you believe that happened? I asked him what he got a ticket for, but he was yelling for me to shut up and said I was asleep when it happened. He wasn't even forming full sort of breath, but after turning off the radio and taking a few deep breaths, he regained his composure and he said, I don't give two shits about the ticket, but we're never going back there again. My concerns were... My my concerns that were originally sympathetic about the ticket melted away and I asked him what had happened. 
I remained in suspense, and he noticed we were low on fuel, and he needed to pull over to the next gas station. When we got to the pumps, I had time to stretch out, and I must have been in that car for quite a few hours in an uncomfortable position. I paced around watching as the dollars added up at the pump, which would have been amazing if they were the same price these days, and made my way back to the passenger seat. Mike didn't uh, start at the truck when he got back in. He turned to me. He said in a voice that almost sounded like somebody died, Do you swear to God that you will believe what I'm going to say? I sort of nodded to him to get it over with already. When he woke up and saw me asleep in the passenger seat, he decided to let me keep sleeping. It wasn't until he noticed that I drained the batteries for his Walkman when he started up the truck and headed to buy some batteries and get some food. He figured I deserved to sleep in the passenger seat for not letting him listen to his album. And that truck only had a stock radio in it. Somehow, he got lost. Neither of us knew the area. And it was before GPS, so we sort of expected that to happen at some point during our trip. This was when he said a man ran from the side of the road and jumped in front of his truck. He knew that he hit the man, but said there was no bump, no form of impact, but he pulled over. He ran out to see if the man was all right. He thought that since he didn't feel like he'd ran anything over, that it may have been luck. When he got to the man and was asking if he was all right, there was no response, and he was worried. He reached down to examine closely, but as he got close, the body rose up. Mike was terrified and fell backwards. The clothing grew larger, and he claimed the face on the man was decayed, but it was something at least ten feet tall. He ran for his life back to the truck and simply just kept driving. He didn't remember anything other than driving and must have reacted purely based on instincts. Whatever the hell it was, it scared him pretty good. He even sold his truck in fear that the thing might try to follow him. I thought he made the story up because I killed the batteries in his Walkman at the time, but after he sold the truck, I highly doubt he made that up because he loved that truck. He went without a vehicle for a few years after this happened. Mike got in trouble after it happened, along with his parents finding out about the speeding ticket. I didn't get busted for anything. My parents got a call from Mike's parents and figured it out already. To this day, Mike and I are still great friends. I may not have seen what he did, but we both burned off any possible teenage angst we had in us after that trip. I would like to let the viewers know that if you ever see the body of a person injured for any reason, that you should never move them. There's a good chance if someone has a broken neck or really bad injury that you can make it worse by moving them. If you see someone on the road, leave your hazard lights on and block other vehicles from harming them and immediately contact any emergency services to handle it. Thanks for reading. Your show is awesome. I haven't missed a single episode yet and have been sharing them with friends and recently family as well. But last uh, and far from least, go Packers and F the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> um. I have never heard of something like they described. A 10-foot zombie? Yeah, it sounds like they came across Frankenstein, but uh, yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I've heard of entities that were oddly sized. I mean, we've heard everything from midget-type things that were really tiny and creepy. Mm-hmm. Or trolls or whatever, you know, they may be. Uh, all the way to... I mean, I've heard some tall things, but they're usually like shadow people. Right. It's not normally... I mean, this sounded like a zombie, mm-hmm. you know, with the decaying flesh or something. I mean, I'm guessing it was something probably fairly dark and trying to scare them. 
Right. And that was the form it chose to take. But It was uh, just odd. I just hadn't heard that particular description before. Part of his story did remind me of some shit I tried to pull in high school. Really? Um, it was unsuccessful. I'll say that. But uh, me and uh, my friend, Brandon, at the time, my mother hates this child uh, to this day. She still brings him up with disgust. <laughs> but he has grown up and has a family, and he's no longer the Henri uh, 16-year-old that he was back then. Yeah. Um, but we had this idea um, that we were going to go on spring break. And we were about 17, 18. He was a year ahead of me. Um, but we were really close in age. We were like 17 or 18. Um, anyway, we had this idea that we were literally going to drive his Pontiac down to, I believe it was somewhere in Florida we were going to try and get to. Oh, my God. From Wisconsin? Yeah, from Wisconsin. 17? <laughs> this is the genius of a 17-year-old, okay? This is not good thinking, okay? Number one, we thought we would camp along the way. Okay. Okay. That was the plan. That's how we were going to actually do this because neither of us had much money. I mean, I worked in radio, you know, and I, I he worked, I think, the subway <laughs> or something like that. The, the fast food restaurant. Yeah. And um, the thought process was we were going to tell our parents that we were going to go camping, but we were going to go camping like towards Madison or someplace with some friends, which is semi-believable. If it weren't, in fact, March in Wisconsin. Okay. And the thought process was, oh, we don't care. We'll just, you know, bring some heaters or whatnot, and we'll still have fun. We want to go and do something for spring break. And we were just old enough where that might be somewhat acceptable, you know, if we're just going to camp for a day or two or whatever. Um, just a couple guys. No girls, just a couple guys going to hang out. Um, and so what we did is to cover our tracks was actually rent a campsite in some campground near Madison. I forgot where it was. I paid for it. I remember going to the bank uh, and because I didn't have a check. I had a, I had a checking account, but I didn't have checks. Uh-huh. So I had to go to the bank and I had to get a check issued to me to mail to the campground to reserve the site. So this campsite actually was purchased, you know, for 40 bucks or whatever it was. Um, for the, I think we were at, again, 17 and stupid. Okay. okay. I think we estimated like we'd do this for like three or four nights. Okay. And it was going to be our story and we'd come back and they were going to think the whole time we were there. And if our parents tried to call the campground, they could check and see, oh, in fact, yes, we do have a campsite under that name. Okay. Okay. Well, something, I don't remember what happened. Like somebody got in trouble for something. I don't know if it was me or him. I honestly don't remember that part, but it was unable, we were unable to go on the journey, which is probably a good thing because it would have ended in disaster. Would have been like, we'd have been in a Taco John's in like Peoria and yeah. would have been like, okay, uh, this is not going to work. <laughs> oh my gosh. And what scares me the most about that story is a year later, you are living on your own as a functioning adult. <laughs> That worked out. I can't imagine that you matured that much in a year. <laughs> I did a little. Wow. I was still making, you know, 18-year-old choices and decisions, but, I mean, there was very little that I did that was all that extreme. 
Yeah. I mean, that that episode never occurred. I did go to Toledo once uh-huh. in high school, and I told my parents that I was going to visit my girlfriend's grandmother for Christmas, and I was going to stay over there, and it was like in a town an hour away or something. And I had broken up with the girl a week prior, and my parents called the girl to see if I was, uh, or her, they called her mom to see if we were all together going, and they're like, oh, they broke up a week ago. <laughs> Ooh. And then my mom connected the dots, figured out it was, it was with my friend Chris Kentner, uh, and we were driving to go see our friend Todd in Toledo, which was completely, really, he was a total dork. He is a total dork. He's a good guy, but he's a dork. And you couldn't have been with a more responsible adult. You know, he was like 18 or 19, and uh-huh. I was like 16. You couldn't have been with a more responsible 18 or 19-year-old. I was the bad influence. I'm the one who brought beer on that trip. <laughs> Which I took from the radio station refrigerator. See, I'm horrified (laughs) at what our kids are going to pull, knowing the stuff you tried to pull. I was always too chicken shit to try and pull anything. Mm -hmm. The worst thing I did when I was that age was I skipped school for about an hour to go to Jugo Juice and get (laughs) What the hell is Jugo Juice? It's a smoothie place. Okay. And get a smoothie. And when I got back, my friend and I, we each had our our cups. We go walking into the school. Uh Well, she gets in trouble because the principal saw us come walking in because (laughs) she wasn't as good of a student as I was and he assumed I had honor pass, which I did not, Mm -hmm. which meant I could leave property and go to Jugo Juice. Uh So I didn't get in trouble at all, but she did. You and your Jugo Juice antics. It was stupid. I skipped school and went to Madison a couple of times. Walked around State Street. I got busted for that, too. Yeah. I was the go-to person to call in people as their parents. I bet. Because of being on the radio, I could do the deeper voice. And like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Mr. Uh, this is Mr. Brewski. Uh, Tony won't be in today. He's feeling a bit under the weather. He's not doing it. And then you have like the, and I did it from the radio station several times. And I, it's reminiscent of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Because uh-huh. in the background, I had recorded me coughing. And I did play it back in the background. And then I was talking in the deeper voice. Okay, thank you, mister. You have a great day. Ferris okay. Bueller taught all of us how to skip school. I haven't even seen Ferris Bueller yet. This was just really? me coming up with shit. <laughs> God. <coughs> Be great fun. As the girls get older, and I will never tell them these stories until they're over 21. I'm just so afraid of what our children are going to figure out. There you go. Graham writes in, hi there. I'm a relatively new listener to the show, but I'm absolutely hooked. So I have two stories I'd like to share. First, one night, I was around six or seven years old. My grandma on my dad's side visited me in my bedroom and woke me up. She was just talking to me about the usual grandparent stuff. And this was not in the slightest bit scary. Being so young, I didn't find it strange that she was there, not in the least, because we lived about 150 miles from my grandparents. The next morning, my parents were telling my older sister something, and I mentioned my grandma. I said without thinking uh, cheerily, Oh, I was talking to grandma last night. She was in my room. My parents were telling them that my grandma died last night. The second story, my fiancé and I were setting up for my father-in-law's birthday party at a local Masonic lodge. There were only three of us there during the day, bowing balloons up, moving tables and such. The third person was our two-year-old running around and, of course, doing everything in his power not to help, as only toddlers can. Well, he was running around talking about a lady. We stopped and looked at each other and said, What lady? To which he replied, The lady! Like I was stupid. 
and should be able to see her. I asked him where the lady was, and he was pointing to the kitchen. We asked someone from the lodge about it, and he told us that the house was very old and apparently had the ghost of a lady attached to it. Thanks for taking the time to read this. Keep up the good work, guys. Graham from Scotland. I wonder if the taller was scared or if he was just, like, hanging out. I think he was just thinking it was a lady. I don't think the toddler even remotely thought it was a ghost. No. Makes you wonder how many people you saw as a kid. I mean, I know you had the the Mm -hmm. imaginary friend, but I honestly wonder how many other people you did see as a kid that were ghosts that you are just, you know, unaware of. I have no idea. But I I just couldn't even imagine. I don't know. I remember... um, as a child, and I'm not saying these were ghosts by any means because I don't think a lot of them were. In fact, I know who a lot of these people were, but my mom used to help out cleaning at our Lutheran church in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And I was like this kid's age, the two-year-old. And I would run around that building. Um, and it's kind of maze-like once you get down into it. Like in the basement, there's a tunnel that goes underneath the parking lot to the other old part of the building with the old churches. And then there's a bunch of classrooms and this and that. And I remember, you know, all these faces, a lot of old people that were just kind of, I mean, and this happens at a church like that. There's a lot of old people working there and doing, you know, volunteer stuff here and there. Um, But I feel like, you know, Tuesday at, you know, 10 a.m. And I'd be walking around and I would, you know, I would run into a lot of older people and say hi and just keep moving. And I know who some of them were. Some of them I don't know and I never did see again. But they were just in kind of odd places in the building. So, I don't know. I mean, that's something I wonder about is, did I see some ghosts at that time and don't really know it? I don't know. Protective little spirits keeping little Tony from getting hurt. Yeah. Well, eventually I ran into the preschool area and they took me in. (laughs) (laughs) They did because I was completely lost and I couldn't figure out how to get back to the church where my mom was. And uh, the preschool teacher, which I actually ended up going to preschool there the following year, um, took me in and was like, oh, is your mom cleaning? Like, yeah, well, you can come here and play. So I played preschool with the other kids who were a little bit older than me and had a great grand old time. <laughs> and then my mom was, you know, freaking out and searching the building oh, and sure. found me in the preschool. Oh, but <laughs> your poor mother. I was adventurous like Harper where yeah. she just wanders. I did the same thing and had no fear. I'm like, yeah, let's go check this out. Very curious. Wow. But, uh, Good times. Yeah. Abel writes in, Hi, Tony and Jenny. I'm Abel from Los Angeles. I wrote to you a while back about my son seeing something and saying hi in the dark as we passed a cemetery. Well, I have another story about something we both experienced. This happened when my son was three years old. He's 12 right now. He doesn't remember any of this happening. When we heard the previous story I wrote, he was all excited and kept asking me what else happened. Eventually, I'll tell him everything he experienced. But for now... I'll have to hear it uh, from you. Uh, He'll have to hear it from you. Back to my story, like I said, he was three years old. I was uh, visiting my sister at her house. I lived in the house across the street when I was a teenager. So I knew the people that lived there before my sister bought the house. I'm in the upstairs room where a cousin of mine is playing video games. So it's my cousin, my son, and me playing video games. Suddenly my son looks towards the door and sees something. His mood suddenly changes and walks to me. By then, I knew he was seeing something because that's how he reacted. 
My cousin and I asked him, what is it or who is it? All he would do is point towards the door, but nothing was there. Again, we asked, who is it? No response. And then again, this time he responded, hi, and pointed towards the door. We asked him, who are you saying this to? Again, he said, hi. This went on for about two minutes. Finally, I asked him, who are you saying hi to? This time, I I leaned forward towards his face to hear him clearer, and I clearly heard him say, hike. Hike, in case you're wondering, was a man that lived in that house when I lived across the street. He passed away in 1994. This happened in 2005. I still get get goosebumps talking about it. Well, that's my story for today. Like I said, I have many more stories about things I've experienced and that my son has experienced. Keep up the great work, you two. I'll write in later. Bye. Is there a more confirming situation that something exists than that? We've had a couple stories like that where they get very much in detail. Mm -hmm. The kids do about the entities they're seeing and no one else. Or why would this kid even have any idea what that name was? He wouldn't. He really wouldn't. That's, yeah, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Thank you for uh, writing in and sharing that story with us. If you're not an EPP yet and you enjoy the show, please consider supporting the show. That's what the EPP program is all about. Uh, it keeps our show on the air. And as an added bonus, you get an extra episode every single week. And you get access to all of the previous EPP episodes that we've done. Right now, that's a total of 19 episodes that you've probably never heard. And they're really good episodes. So if you want those, sign up to be an EPP. RealGhostStoriesOnline.com is where you do that. Keeps your show on the air. And you get a nice little bonus right there for that. So check that out. Until next time, as we continue on into 2015... With Real Ghost Stories Online for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.